Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Alabama's coming to town while Mississippi State is trying to come up with some answers. We are in the doghouse here on the Believe Podcast Network. Yes, welcome back to this Thursday night edition of The Doghouse. I'm your host, David Murray. And, yep, it's that time again. Uh, Much earlier this time, this season, than usual, but the Bulldogs are facing their nearest geographical rivals in the SEC, and, in fact, their very oldest rival in the SEC, which goes way back before there was even an SEC. Alabama coming to campus for a 8 o'clock kickoff. Yeah, we drew the late time slot. That's been news out for about 11 days already. Still not uh, any more enjoyable drawing that late slot, especially after the Bulldogs kicked off at 7.39 in Columbia a week ago. Yes, I was there, as you know, by our reporting on Gene's page. So consecutive late games, well, hey, and I got no control over it. I will show up regardless, and uh, just this time I don't have to make the long drive back home. Just the short, quick back out to her house after the game's over, probably about 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh, Sorry, Kathy and dogs, I'll be waking you up again after a long night in the press box. Will it be a long night for the Bulldogs? Well, yeah, it's... (laughs) I'm not going to sugarcoat this. Uh, When Las Vegas has to put a line of just over two touchdowns to begin with, I'm not even sure what it is today. I had to make my picks based off the Monday line, and... Trust me, uh, you don't want to go to my picks to do any serious wagering on. That's just my professional advice in that regard. But a two-touchdown line means they're really trying to get somebody to put some money on the Bulldogs to at least cover that spread. Now, if the offense that lit the scoreboard up, or certainly the statistics sheet up at South Carolina, is able to pull that off consecutive weeks, yeah, there's a good chance of covering on that. Both the Bulldog ground game has to get back in order. Oh, there's so much for the South Carolina game we still have to talk about and how it factors into this Alabama matchup because that's really how you have to take what happened in Columbia. State gave away a game. Okay, gave away is a little harsh. That's not giving South Carolina enough credit. I underrated the Gamecocks. They were able to come out and for the first time this season actually run the ball effectively. I know, just three yards per carry, but... They were averaging way less than that coming in, and they got nearly triple the yardage on the ground that they'd been averaging their previous three games. Admittedly good competition, and that's another reason why I underrated the Gamecocks too, because they had legitimate losses. That said, Mississippi State should have won the game. Don't let a five-yard crossing pattern turn into a 70-something yard touchdown play just by outrunning a secondary that, well, bluntly is going to get outrun a whole lot. As I said at halftime, and uh, no bitterness involved, is not even trying to be a wise guy. Just the fact, it's true, in consecutive weekends, Mississippi State's defense has made two SEC receivers a whole lot of money in the NFL draft coming up. But still, State should have won the game. They didn't. The defense was just almost indefensible, no pun intended. 
The offense, great passing numbers. Personal record by Will Rogers, 487 yards, and considering all the records he's already set, that's a saying something. But only one touchdown out of that. Uh, yes, it was a long catch and run. Still, one interception on a ball that should have never been thrown. And I'm not even going to get into where the officiating was right, calling that an interception on a defender who came back into inbounds. It shouldn't be allowed because nobody forced him out, but it was. Okay, it's in the books now. And another fumble, which uh, had it been called in complete pass, that call would have stood. And as it was called interception, that call stood. It was that kind of bang-bang play that you just don't want to put in the hands of replay officials. It stood. South Carolina turns into points. And you can really say that as much as the first two drives of 99 and 98 yards, let me repeat that, drives of 99 and 98 yards in the first and early part of the second quarter, that tells you what the dog defense was doing or rather not doing all night. Even so... State played well enough in offense that without those turnovers, they can, it certainly force overtime, and quite likely can come out with a victory that they desperately needed. Instead, they're 2-2, two and two, winless in the conference after two tries, and hosting an Alabama team that seems to have gotten its act together. And State did not run the ball well at all against a South Carolina team that was very, very vulnerable to the ground game. Uh, from a couple teams that really weren't great rushing the ball that had already beaten them doing that way. So just all sorts of questions coming out of the South Carolina game that now we have to consider as State goes into a much tougher matchup, at least as far as the tied defense. Now here's where I'm looking over the SEC stats right now, and you just four games is still not a large enough sample size to really draw any hard conclusions because Alabama's only listed mid-pack in total defense, and that's still 306 yards allowed. Of course, the Texas game inflates that. Still, that's not what you would call a great defensive team, and yet to hear the Bulldogs and staff and players alike talk about it, it sounds almost like you've got some of those Nick Saban defenses of the early 2000s. Well, this is not them. I'm sorry, early 20-teens. Well, you start losing track early. This is not that kind of defense, but they're solid in the secondary. They've got a good enough pass rush and linebacker play that State is probably not going to be able to walk out there and duplicate what they did at South Carolina. Yes, a lot of that was matchups. State had great matchups, took advantage of it, and got to see a true vertical passing game for the first time in a long time. Air Raid or not, this was a transition from it that saw a true vertical passing game of strikes of 20, 30, and longer yards, and strikes on target, on time, to receivers that often weren't entirely open. There were some needles threaded, some windows thrown right through tightly, and the ball caught and turned into positive yards. I think, what, six plays went for 30 or more yards, and then catches of, what, 47, 60, and 65, as I remembered at this point. That's the kind of passing game Mississippi State has wanted for many, many, many years, and now they've got it. But it came at the expense of a ground game, which had been leading the SEC up to that point. Jacobius Marks, at least, was. And he's still up there, thanks to his first two great games and a solid effort against LSU on one big carry. But he was totally shut down, as was the rest of the ground game at South Carolina. I, I keep referring to South Carolina because, again, it's all context for what State has to do this weekend and what State can do this weekend, what State's going to try to do this weekend. I mentioned the Alabama defense is solid. But again, they're still giving up over 300 yards a game. 
And Mississippi State, by contrast, is giving up 400 yards a game. Uh, scoring offense, Alabama is actually only 12th in the SEC at this point. That's still 30 points. State, just over 30 points themselves. Again, four-game stats in pretty tight, but you get the idea. Yes, that Texas game kind of distorts a little bit for the Tide as they're showing down at South Florida. They have settled on their quarterback. Jalen Milroe will be the guy under center. Fabulous athlete. An improving quarterback, uh, no Bryce Young, obviously, but a guy who can run and make plays positively with his feet, not just his scrambling, but intentional runs, and that is something that has been a humongous headache for the Bulldogs. In fact, all they face so far this season are mobile quarterbacks. Not all ran for positive yards, more like they ran to escape, but boy, they did escape. And then a couple of them, Jaden Daniels for one, uh, ran for big positive yards. And now you're facing a Jalen Milrow who can take off and go on his own accord. And, of course, Alabama has a solid back in there as well that you have to account for. So if Mississippi State has to get serious about playing the run game, which they will, then that secondary, which has just been lit up unmercifully the last several weeks and really had Arizona push the issue a little bit harder, that game could have turned out differently as well. It's just a slow defense. I'm I'm sorry. It is just a slow defensive team. We knew that speed was going to be a question mark going in, but it's even more so than we thought. And State's not getting a lot of push up front. Uh, Now, Nathan Pickering, he's playing really well this season. Jaden Crumity, not quite up to expectations. It's time for him to crank it up as well. Uh, State's had injuries as well. Uh, Calvin Dinkins is not available again this week, as we understand, so that's one less interior man. And as far as defensive end, Trevian Williams looks like he'll be out as well. And we don't know what the status of DeMonte Russell's going to be. And there you are. Uh, it was already tough enough to try to get two rotation going in. And now that's probably out of the books now for Matt Brock and David Turner, what they're going to do. And frankly, everything we've been told is, given their druthers, Mississippi State wants to play a four-man defensive line, especially against some of these teams that can run. They don't have the horses to do it now. They're going to have to stick with the three-down linemen, move a linebacker up the line of scrimmage. But even that's a problem because State's linebacker core is just struggling to keep up with plays. I mean, it's kind of a darned you do, darned you don't. State is having to blitz a whole lot, even run blitzing as well, and that leaves things open in the 10-15 yard range because the safeties are dropping back so far to avoid get beat even worse. LSU and South Carolina just lived early on hitting that underneath pass for big yardage and third down conversions as well. I'm starting to depress myself. I really shouldn't do that because you still see the potential in this team. And yes, on the record, I did predict that this team had a chance to win nine regular season games. In fact, if you look at what the SEC is shaping up as, There's no reason that a quality team can't win nine games in this league. The problem is Mississippi State is not playing like a quality team right now. The offense is just going to have to carry things until either A, the defense figures something out, or B, they just, well, somebody we're not really expecting, some bodies, rise to the fore. And as I said in the report card after getting back, still groggy, maybe still a little grumpy after the South Carolina trip, 
I'm going to have to look back and probably beg forgiveness from the 2022 season secondary for some of the harsh things I wrote about them and grades I gave them. Because right now we'd take all those guys back, no questions asked. And I don't just mean Emmanuel Forbes. Anybody would take him back. I'm talking about the three safeties that moved on. The transition to this year's safety corps is just no comparison. It is really, it was an area that Zach Arnett stressed back in spring was probably his first concern. And now we see why. It's still a concern, and I don't know if there's any fixes out there available right now. Um, Jacoby Albert's hurt. A couple of the transfers just aren't playing up to snuff. You're having to run kids out there like Isaac Smith uh, and others and just take your chances. Now, Sean Preston, had he been on the field in the first half, you'll never know. And it's probably stretching things to say that State would have been much better defensively, but some of those plays that South Carolina converted on those two long drives, one more season safety might have been able to put a stop to it. And in fact, in the second half, State did make some stops once Preston was let out of the SEC's uh, targeting jail, put back on the field, and made some plays, including forcing the only turnover of the game for the Bulldogs. Oh, I've said enough about South Carolina. Let's just move ahead. Let's look at what Alabama's doing. By the way, this is a beatable Alabama team. It really is. I know you don't want to read too much into Texas game got more away on turnovers maybe than Texas domination, but Texas is legit this year, and Alabama still had not figured out quarterback. or They, had, they hadn't figured out that there was no absolute answer at quarterback and then just settled on let's go back to Milrow and ride this kid, which is probably the smartest decision. <coughs> Excuse me. But still, right now, guess what? They're next to last in the SEC in how many touchdowns they've scored, 14. The problem is, of course, Mississippi State is right ahead at 15 touchdowns total this season. Still, you think about it, that's that's not really a tied offense that's going to light the board up unless State just, again, just doesn't make the plays in the passing game. Alabama has receivers who Cart Charnett has talked about can take the top off you. You've got a mobile quarterback who's going to run around and make plays. And, well, you saw what uh, Spencer Rattler could do running around and making plays because State, and with the bitter irony, the one time they did bring him bound, it was didn't even have to horse collar him, just push him out of bounds, stop the play, and State's got the ball back only down 7 nothing. There we go, talking about South Carolina again. But that game still stings because State should have won the game. No excuses there. You know, we look at things like total offense average per play. Alabama, next to last, ahead of, by the way, Auburn. Mississippi State, uh, up or closer to the mid-pack yards per play, and that's because the big passing game that came to life this past weekend kind of tilted those stats in a better direction. But State has got to get that ground game back. They went from being one of the best in the conference after two and three games now they're down in 10th place because they just did not run the ball worth a darn against a South Carolina team that was vulnerable to run. And there I go again talking more about South Carolina. I apologize, but again, it's so vital to go through that for the references of what's happening here. So what to do? Well, defensively, again, unless they can pull some uh, free agents off the market. Okay, bad joke. Unless some uh, guys who have not been utilized 
can come in and make a big difference. You know, maybe a Zachary Tillman at linebacker because State desperately needs extra speed at that position. But then again, who do you pull off the field? Literally, are you going to take Nate Watson or Jet Johnson off the field? No. I have to say in early games, I did like what Matt Brock was doing. He's also linebacker coach as well as defensive coordinator. He had them lined up all sorts of places. He would take his two seniors and put them either as an extra defensive end, uh, maybe take your inside guy, make a strong side backer out of him. <coughs> Excuse me again. I forgot to bring the water bottle up here this afternoon. So, or then he would sometimes play them as true inside backers and blitz them trying to find those gaps and and sometimes it can work. I mean, Jet Johnson put Rattler down, just a beautifully timed blitz. The blocking wasn't there, and he found it and made it happen. So State can do that. They just have to roll the dice. And frankly, I'm to the point now thinking, just roll the dice every play. Okay, maybe not get that predictable, but be aggressive in that regard because you're not doing any better being passive. Uh, that's never a really good reason to do something because you're not doing something else anyway. But frankly, we may be to that point. But John Lewis probably needs to be on the field more. The Sam linebacker situation, I'm not sure there really is an answer to this point. But J.P. Purvis has been a disappointment out there. Bulking up seems to have cost him some of his mobility, despite what we were told. And yes, what we wrote in preseason. Uh, Deshaun Page. He's likely more of a true inside guy anyway, so Sam doesn't seem to suit his skill set quite so well, or maybe he's just not comfortable there. Either way, I still go back to that play. Yes, we're going to bring up South Carolina again. When they're down in goal line and run for it right up the middle and go through their right guard and Page just waves with the shoulder high tackle attempt at a guy who's already ducked beneath him and scooted into the end zone. Just not good recognition, not good placement. That's what's happening with the Sam linebacker position. State has no real answer there unless, again, is to move people around and just take some gambles. Like I said, given their druthers, they play the four down line. They don't have the personnel to do that. But do you have an extra safety pull in the field? Well, not the way these safeties are playing at the moment. Maybe not the way they're going to play all season long. Um, perhaps some guys would be comfortable doing that. Um, maybe a light-type linebacker. I know State's done that before. But, again, we're kind of grabbing at straws this point because once you're four games into a season, you're pretty much what you are as far as defense uh, there's not a whole lot of different things you can really do or try without radically changing personnel. And frankly, the personnel just doesn't seem to be there. The guys you see playing are the guys they have. The best thing that can happen with this defense now, A, get a lot of luck, and B, get some guys healthy on the front line so you can start shuttling guys in and perhaps shake up the formation. But let's look at the other side of the ball this week. I've repeatedly mentioned the lack of the run game at South Carolina, and really, you take away the one big carry by Jaquavius Marks. State didn't run the ball well against LSU either. That was the calling card in the first two games. And I think State, to some extent, fell in love with the run, maybe a little more than they should have. Hey, I'm not going to blame any coach for that because it was working. And think of all the huzzas and hurrahs we gave the improved ground game during preseason. At least we thought it was improved. And yes, for two games it was. But then... 
SEC play arrives, and all of a sudden, State is just flat-out stalled at the line of scrimmage. Now, the interior runs. Had State gone to the outside more often, I think they had a chance to get more done. (coughs) Goodness. We were cleaning out the house. We have some guests coming in this weekend, so it probably raised a little bit of dust here in the office. I know. Excuses. So the ground game, you know, I go back to the called back touchdown last week. There was no need for that hold. Even if you let your defender free down there, it's still going to be a first and goal situation. Then you not only lose that, you use the touchdown as well on Mark's best run of the evening. We know Jaquavius is taking a beating during the games. And as the coaches said this week, they probably want to get some of the younger guys and other guys mixed in more to take some of the strain off of him. But darn, is it hard to take a guy like Marks off the field. Right now, he's Mississippi State's best ball player on either side. Well, maybe despite the only competition would be freshman place kicker Kyle Ferry. That's another story there. But it is so hard to take Marks off the field. But I think you have to. I think you've got to give a speed guy like Seth Davis more chances. And in certain situations, a power guy like Jeffrey Pittman. His chances there as well. Besides, of course, mixing in Mike Wright. Yeah, all the talk going into South Carolina week was how much of a role Mike Wright would have. Well, you saw it. You saw the exact role that he is primed for this season as long as Will Rogers is healthy. His role is short yardage and goal line. He made it work a second week in a row with a touchdown, although this touchdown counted for way more than did against LSU in garbage time. This was a touchdown that kept State in contention, and it was a beautifully sold play. Everybody in the stadium, everybody in the field, except a handful of people, and those of us in the press box who had a pretty good angle, really thought that it had been a handoff. Nope, there goes Wright, jumping across the goal line. Hey, more of that. And Will Rogers has repeatedly said he doesn't mind that. He likes having that option and having Wright able to do that. Now, Mike Wright... The one pass he's thrown this year was a little four-yard flip, so don't look for him to come in and be that spark plug in the air game. But when Will Rogers can throw the ball to Tulu Griffin, Xavier Thomas, Justin Robinson, Creed Whitmore at all, you don't need the, the backup quarterback to come in and be a threat like that. What State needs is a little more escapability because they're going to see a lot more pressure this week from Alabama, even more so, I think, than they saw against LSU. And LSU teed off and came after, usually with just a four-man rush. You know Alabama's watched that film and said, we can do the same thing because State's offensive line, I know, I I oversold them in the preseason as well. To me, that might be the most disappointing fact of the entire team. We thought the safeties would struggle. We knew the linebackers didn't have great speed. But the offensive line's issues have really been disappointing because it's an all-senior group, although they have been trying to rotate in the Juco signee bill, and especially at right tackle because Cam Jones is just – he hasn't come back the same guy since injury. I don't care what those PFF rankings said after one or two games – talking to staff members about it. They say, well, don't trust PFF too much anyway because they don't know what the plays are called. They don't know what the assignments are. Just something to keep in mind when you get addicted to some of these outside statistical and rating sources. They do good work, don't get me wrong, but they don't know everything. What I'm getting at still, just using that one example, State's offensive line play has been a letdown, especially in SEC competition. 
So how do they fix that? Well, there are technical things they can tweak and work on. You can always get better, better communication, pick up your assignments quicker, and just get more aggressive. And I do mean more aggressive. And we talked about it all preseason, just how much they love the fact they're going to run block. And they do. They really want to do that. They want to enjoy it because offensive linemen just thrive at the college level and others in asserting themselves physically, pushing somebody aside so a running back can go. This is not quite – I'm going to give professional commentators the slack. They say that the line is going to struggle to get away from the air raid wide splits blocking, which, by the way, was not nearly so wide as it cracked up to be, and going into a more running game. Well, it's not as big a deal as it's made out to be. This is more a matter of technical execution and, frankly, plain flat-out aggression. They aren't firing off the ball with enough vim and vigor, or however you want to phrase it in much more footballish terms there. Because to refer once again to South Carolina, that was a group that they should have been able to blow off the ball at least for a couple of yards in the run game each time, and they didn't do it. That was greatly disappointing. I cut some slack for LSU because those are superior athletes on this side of the line, and they showed it. South Carolina was an eye-opener in this regard that it was just a bad evening for the blocking, and that's something that's got to get nailed down this weekend. Alabama is going to come after Will Rogers, come after the running blacks. I expect them to just try to set the tone and not merely win the line of scrimmage, which is what you always do in the SEC. I mean, never mind all the fancy stats or whatever you see. It's still a line of scrimmage league in most regards. But there's a difference between winning and dominating. State got dominated by LSU. They got shut down by South Carolina. Now here comes an Alabama team that says no reason they shouldn't be able to do the same with Alabama athletes. Well, frankly, I think Alabama's defensive front quality is not quite what it used to be. Uh, I'm sure somebody will take that on the other side of the state line and run with it, but I'm not breaking any huge news out there. I really don't think their offensive line plays what it needs to be. Whether the state can take advantage of that is a whole other issue, but getting back to state's blocking has got to assert itself. This is their challenge. This is a challenge to their skills, their technique. Frankly, their challenges to their manhood. And this is where, while the tight end position has not been of any help really in the passing game, not having Jaquarius Spivey, goodness, how that has already derailed some of the offensive game planning this season. But when you can put Rylan Godet, when you can put Malik Ellis out there as your extra blockers. They've got to be the extra muscle up front and make something happen. Move that line and give the running backs a chance. Give Will Rogers a chance to read, play action, and react and do some things to it. But State has got to establish the run. You know, the interesting thing is going into South Carolina, State actually was not that bad on first downs as we've been led to believe. But as I look, as I've wound through the numbers, I had some free time before that game, and I really crunched through the digits there. The averages were actually pretty good when State ran the ball on the first down, but it was inflated by a couple of carries because more often than not, it was limited to two and three yards, and the averages, like I said, inflated by some big busted plays. Now you love the big busted plays because if you don't run it, you don't have a chance to bust it. 
But the point being, State has got to be more consistent with the run game to keep that box creeping up a little bit tighter and then give Rodgers a chance to do what we've waited all these years to see, the deep strikes. I mean, Tulu Griffin had himself a night, and if he hadn't had such a big night, Xavier Thomas was primed to get about as many yards himself. At least I can say I've seen the receiving record, and that record went back to the 2013 Liberty Bowl, in case you haven't noticed. That's a 10-year-old mark, and, and Tulu just blew it away. The guy has rounded himself into a real college receiver, not just a fast, quick athlete out there. Thomas, he's getting healthy. It makes a difference. And talking with Chad Bumpus this week, he did admit what we all could say. Your best combination out there is Griffin, Thomas, and the kid Whitmore. Problem is, two of them play the same position in a three-wide set. But you noticed, State was playing a lot of four-wides there with tight end Antonio Harmon back at his old wide receiver position. And that's a good move for him, but it's even better if you get the faster guys out there. So you could see some formations this week where state essentially is running two slot guys and one split in and leaving your tight end for running back protections. No, we haven't watched practice, so I'm not giving away anything secret there. I'm just projecting this off what we came out of the last two games that when State made some things happen in the passing game, they were able to get their faster guys out there, their their quicker guys, their more, what's the phrase now, electric guys out there with the ball to do things. That's going to have to happen. State's going to have to get lucky in the passing game. And there is no shame in being lucky because often as not, college football comes down to who makes the fewest mistakes and who can cash in on the mistakes the other team makes. This is an Alabama team that can make mistakes. Uh, They're, dare I say, more mortal than they have been in years. And I think, by the way, that plays into a larger story that we're working on as the season winds on, that everybody in the SEC is suffering from a lack of quality depth because that transfer portal is trimming some teams of some of their four- and five-star guys that have said, I'm not going to wait around a couple years to play. NIL here is nice, but I'll never get to the league just sitting here taking an NIL check for a couple of years and only getting to play a little bit at the end. They're going out to where they can play. So the depth is not quite there, which again is showing up, you know, places like state, you got to have the depth there. And we've lost some depth over the last couple of years, guys who maybe aren't lighting it up their new places, but they'd sure be nice to have now, if nothing else in practice on the scout teams as well. What I'm getting at is this Alabama team is more vulnerable by degrees. <laughs> you know, I say more vulnerable. It doesn't mean there's they're all of a sudden down at a Vanderbilt level. No, it just means that by what we've come to think of as Alabama standards, they have they show some areas that can be exploited by teams who have the athletes to exploit them. Does Mississippi State have those athletes? Well, not enough in enough places. But you've got a few in the right places, and all you got to do is hit some of those strikes, and the game can turn into something that favors the home team. Speaking of that, Zach Arnett was clear on the SEC teleconference this week, and when he comes out talking to conference media, not just on his call-in show or his Monday press conference to the Mississippi media, local guys, stressing the need for attendance, the turnout. He talked about, yes, it's a late start, 
but that gives you a whole day to prepare by tailgating to enjoy the campus atmosphere. The weather forecast looks great to show up and be involved and be in the stadium at game time. It was a good crowd for LSU, even though it was an 11 o'clock game. The game disappointed. South Carolina watching that from a distance, although I was proud of how many state fans turned out at Columbia as well. They're disappointed as well. But you have a chance here to play a part in this game. If you've got a ticket, use it. And I'm including you faculty and staff out there. Don't use it to sell it to an Alabama fan, though I know some of you will and have. Okay, you look upon that as extra check, and there's not a darn thing Mississippi State can do about it. So all I can say is um, money lasts a little while. Honor is forever. So is dishonor. I know. You don't care about that. You just want the cash right now. Okay, I'm going down a side trail at this moment. Regardless, if you've got a ticket, use it. If you've got a spare ticket, drag somebody to the game with you. At least get them to the tailgating and find somebody there who doesn't have a ticket and bring them in the game with you. 8 o'clock, around dusk, it's a chance to watch Mississippi State try to get its season back on track against a opponent that's, again, a two-touchdown favorite with good reason. But whatever happens, you have a chance to help this team along and also help kickstart something else as they go into October with a game Western Michigan, very winnable game, obviously, then an open date, and then hit the stretch where the final results this season will be decided against a bunch of SEC teams that, frankly, all look beatable if the Bulldogs can take the good things from the South Carolina game from their first two wins and do enough good things this game in all areas of the ball. We haven't even talked about place kicking, which has been the bright spot the last couple of weeks. I did mention Kyle Ferry, a Nick Barmira, all touchbacks last week. Punting, strong. Uh, Punt return, well, not many chances. Kickoff return, no chances at all, but you know the potential is always there. So State's kicking game can make a difference in a game like this because State's putting good athletes out there, maybe some that uh, if they play well enough on special teams, you can see them working their way into the lineup, especially on the defensive side, where State has got to get more athletic to play with these teams. But I'm just saying, yes, I'm paid to be there, so that's kind of a moot point in my case. You have made the investment to listen to the show, and you've made investments, I know, to come to state games in the past. Some of you hold season tickets, some single-game tickets, and some don't have a ticket at all. Well, yes, it's officially a sellout, but you know there are ways. So if you can find a ticket, get here. And always, as I say, you only get so many chances in a season. You only get so many chances in life to watch these games. And as the your editor gets on up there you think about how many games I've got left to watch in my own career. I enjoy all of them, but I enjoy them a whole lot more when there's a great atmosphere at Scott Field, and that's where you come in. Play your part, get here, help the dogs out as best you can, and then kick the ball off, and let's see what happens this Saturday evening. Uh, that's enough lecturing for tonight, and that's enough coughing for tonight as well. Thanks for checking out this issue of The Dog's Bite and The Dog House. And by the way, uh, some staffing changes and some moves and rearrangements coming up on Gene's page, which I'm sure many of you read about already. But um, the full new lineup will be debuting Sunday 
after we finish up uh, this month of September and our coverage and changes ahead. Of course, basketball practice has also started late this week, and soon we'll be getting some inside opportunities to talk to the Bulldog coaches, both men's and women's. By the way, Lady Bulldogs preseason ranked 25 already. That's a pretty good deal for Sam Purcell's club. Lots of expectation of Chris Jans, trying to get some updates on the status of Humphrey Coliseum, as well as ticket selections, what are being taken place and assignments there. And fall ball. Check out Mike Nemus' coverage of Diamond Dog scrimmaging and inter-squad games already through the preseason with game-by-game statistics as well, pitching reports, and all sorts of information. But the big thing, Saturday evening, be in your seats at least by 7.30 or so and get ready. Mississippi State, Alabama, let's have at it again and see what happens because, hey, I was there in 1980. I was there in 1996, one of those turning point games of the program. And yes, I was there the last time Mississippi State beat Alabama in 2007. Who would think that uh, Sly Kroom is the only Bulldog coach to have a win over Nick Saban of any sort? Well, maybe Zach Arnett and staff, if not this year, some year, pulls that off and joins that club. But you'll never know the fun unless you're there to participate in it, win or lose. So come on and join us here. Davis Wade Stadium, Scott Field, Saturday night. We'll have all our regular pre-in coverage. Steve and I will be shooting our videos as well. Check us out on jeanspage.com. Until then, this has been another edition of the Doghouse. Do thank you for tuning in and listening. And if you like what you're hearing, give us a like on Apple Podcasts. How about it? On the Believe Podcast Network, this is the Doghouse and David Murray. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.